0: Tonight on Huckabee, Congressman Andy Big, Dr. David Aronoff, Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient Dan Gable, and Sword Swaller Dan Meyer. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer.
1: Thank you so much. We're so glad to have this great studio audience here. I gotta tell you, I hope you and your family had a wonderful Christmas. Now we are pre-recording our Christmas and New Year's shows so that our staff will be able to have a little time with their own families, even if they're limited by distance or disease. Now, as we bring 2020 to a close, I think I speak for all of us when I say how very glad we are to end this year, which has been like no other. A global pandemic, yeah, you clap for that. Yeah, I'm clapping, (laughs) I'm glad. I mean, a global pandemic stopped the entire world in its tracks and then a very divisive election season has been beyond brutal. Now, I want to say something to President Trump that I know will never be said by 99% of the media mob. Here's what I want to say. Thank you. Thank you. While China unleashed a virus on the world and destroyed many businesses, families, industries, and ultimately killed over 300,000 Americans, President Trump took decisive action that prevented the initial estimates of two and a half million Americans dying from COVID-19, and he launched Operation Warp Speed, which put a vaccine in the arms of Americans with startling speed unlike anything ever witnessed. For four years, President Trump has been viciously attacked by the media, as well as by the far left. His critics were saying that his America First policy was racist, xenophobic, and harmful. But his policy was simply to stand up to China, stand up to Europe and the rest of the world, and to no longer let countries play America for chumps. President Trump renegotiated NAFTA and delivered the USMCA plan that brought manufacturing jobs back to the US. And in shaming Europe to start paying what they had agreed to pay in support of NATO, President Trump helped make NATO stronger and even more viable. And in demanding that China abide by the trade deals that it agreed to and stop cheating on trade and stop stealing intellectual property from creative American companies, the president put more of our people back to work, increased wages for workers, most for the first time in 40 years. And along with tax policies and deregulation resulting in less government red tape, the result, we saw the highest employment levels for women, Hispanics, and African-American workers in American history, along with an increase of, on average, $6,000 per household in increased wages. And when China bundled the containment of the coronavirus and then lied about its origin and impact, President Trump stopped travel from China weeks before even the scientists were saying it was a real threat. And for that act of courage, he was labeled xenophobic. racist. He showed strong leadership by shutting off an on-fire economy and closing the country so we could flatten the curve, as recommended by the epidemiologist. Then he did something that we are reaping the benefits of right now. He launched Operation Warp Speed, granting billions of dollars to pharmaceutical companies to accelerate the finding of a vaccine that would prevent coronavirus and allow us to start living again. Normally, finding a vaccine for a complex medical disease would take anywhere between five and 20 years. But in less than 10 months, not one, but three major companies rolled out a vaccine that is between 90 and 95% effective with millions of doses being readied right away. Now consider, most vaccines are considered successful with a 50% or above efficacy rate. President Trump didn't accept the schedule that would be typical, five to 20 years. He put a private sector mindset and background to work. And we are now seeing the results in record time, which will save lives and businesses. China unleashed a virus. President Trump unleashed a vaccine. And even those who don't like him should have the decency to join me in saying, Thank you, President Trump. My guest tonight was the very first member of Congress to call for a special counsel to investigate the Biden family over allegations of corruption and shady business dealings around the world. He says after four years of Democrats and the liberal media harassing President Trump over what amounted to a hill of beans, Americans deserve some real answers, and that no one, not even a Biden, should be above the law. Here is my conversation with Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs. Congressman, you were the very first member of Congress to call for a special counsel uh, into the affairs of the Biden family, not just Hunter, but the connection between Joe Biden. Um, Why do we need a special counsel and not just let the normal wheels of the Department of Justice take care of it?
2: Well, Mike, because if if we have a change or transition of administrations, we're not going to see rank-and-file DOJ uh, lawyers and and investigators, they're not going to want to put their career on the line by investigating the the then-President Biden's uh, family. They don't want to do that. A special counsel has a chance to survive that and actually conduct an investigation and get to the bottom of this outside of the influence and constraints of a a potential Biden administration. I think a lot of people
1: are worried that because of Hunter Biden's close connection to China and the money that he's made from them and the potential scandal that Joe Biden himself may have gotten money from all of that, do you expect this next administration, should it indeed be inaugurated, um, to be soft on China and, and to go back to the days where we were played as chumps?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're already hearing uh, that they want to eliminate many of the tariffs that we put on China. They want to get back to most favored nation status. They want to, to drop some of the WTO claims and complaints that we've got going. They want to. They want to even talk. There's talk about reentering a TPP type of arrangement. So yeah, I think it's a very real threat. Uh, uh, Joe Biden, who is the big guy that was mentioned by Bobolinsky and, and Hunter and, and those emails. He seems to have some kind of soft relationship with Xi Jinping, and that's gonna be a real problem for the United States of America. And President Trump did such a great job in uh, kind of corralling China. Um, But uh, China's actually asserting itself again because they know uh, the Biden administration, if there is a Biden administration, will be incredibly soft on them. How worried are you about the election results and whether they were uh, on the up and up? I'm very concerned by that. I think, I, th- I think the vast majority of Americans, whether you're Republican or independents, are very concerned about what happened there. And we look at Georgia and we see uh, nothing. no changes are being made to, to make that a better uh, system. And, and you know what? In a constitutional republic, the most fundamental, the most fundamental institution we have is that of voting. And I think we now have a majority of Americans who don't trust that institution. That's gonna be very, very difficult for us going forward to, uh, to get people to participate.
1: Congressman, being in Arizona, you're right on the border, a very critical state when it comes to uh, border security. Presidents has built hundreds of miles of border. Uh, Joe Biden says if he's inaugurated and becomes president, he's gonna stop any further construction
2: of border uh, wall, period. Good or bad idea? Terrible idea. The, probably one of the worst I've heard on regarding border security. Thank goodness I've talked to some of the border contractors, they are they're working double shifts to try to expand as much mileage before uh, a, a transition of, of government. So uh, pre- uh, President Trump has built 450 miles and they're trying to get 500 miles in uh, before January 20th. Uh, look, we're seeing a surge already because of Biden's announced policies. 68,000 came through, uh, were apprehended in November, and probably going to be over 100,000 apprehended this month. And Biden says he's going to have a moratorium on, on deportations. This actually provides incentives to come across the board, look for a surge that's larger than that spring surge of two years ago.
1: I think it's fair to say that uh, the president should be getting a whole lot of credit for the development of a vaccine in record time. I don't see a lot of people giving him the credit other than maybe people like you and me, Uh, but this is a big deal. the, The fact that we might be able to see some light at the end of the tunnel, but in the House, Speaker Pelosi wants to have a mask mandate for everyone in the House. And Joe Biden says he wants a 100 day mask mandate. I'm not against protective measures, but what is the reaction on Capitol Hill uh, to the Democrats believing that if we just mask everybody, everything's gonna be okay?
2: Well, I think, it's, I think we're incredulous, quite frankly. I mean, you're talking about um, a, a mask mandate when uh, as the surge of cases continues, they're happening in places that we have nearly 100% compliance with masks. And so we're not—we're seeing that masks really don't work. Plus, all, you know, I've got mountains of studies that demonstrate that. But this is a, a power grab on the part of Nancy Pelosi. And I don't know if you saw this, but when she spoke on the floor this week, she wore a mask because she now says you have to wear a mask to speak. Nobody could understand a single thing she was saying.
1: Yeah. Whether she has a mask on or not, we don't understand a thing <laughs> she said, Congressman. But but it's even worse when she has the mask on. Um, That's right. (laughs) The Democrats call for unity. Do you see there's gonna even be any realistic approach? I mean, I I see them say that, but then they turn around and, and say the most just unconscionable things about conservatives.
2: Yeah, it's real hard for me to take them seriously of wanting unity when they're when they're using ex- every name in the, the book filled with expletives uh, about anybody who supported President Trump. We've got advocates on the left that want, are trying to take names of people who supported President Trump. They're gonna go after anybody who served in the Trump cabinet or was on his staff. Uh, we have lawyers who have represented President Trump in many states where you have a member of Congress who's filed a petition to disbar those lawyers. It's hard to say, hey, hey, yes, you guys are really warm and fuzzy after all, you, you bunch of leftist Marxists. We're, we're gonna come together and unite. The reality is they hate President Trump, they hate President Trump supporters, and they wanna come after us. They don't even wanna seat 130 of us who signed on in support of the amici brief uh, in Pennsylvania. This is This is ludicrous and crazy talk but uh, I don't see us coming together and singing kumbaya anytime soon.
1: Congressman, always a pleasure to visit with you. Thanks for what you're doing up on Capitol Hill, and uh, hope to see you soon early in the next year. Special thanks to Congressman Andy Biggs. You can follow him on Twitter at RepAndyBiggs. Also his official House page, biggs.house.gov.
0: Coming up, Dr. David Aronoff talks the COVID vaccine. It's staying safe. Stay with Huckabee. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter. And follow AdGov Mike Huckabee on
1: Twitter. And welcome back. That song, by the way, I think you know the tune, Hit the Road, Jack. I think they were singing, Hit the Road, Mike. I I just think I heard that out there. 2020. Checking that out. See you
3: later, 2020.
1: I think so. (laughs) Anyway, big hand for Trey Corley and the Music City Connection, bringing us back in with some Ray Charles classic music. Well, close to a year in the global pandemic that's upended all of our lives, Millions of doses of COVID vaccines are now being rolled out to Americans, as well as to the rest of the world. Earlier this year, I spoke to Dr. David Aronoff, Director of Infectious Diseases at Vanderbilt University, to find out when our lives might return to normal. Once again, this week, I sat down with Dr. Aronoff to ask if these new vaccines are the light at the end of the tunnel. Dr. Aronoff, uh, the vaccines have come to the marketplace in record time. Normally, these would take five to 20 years. They've been done in less than 10 months. Should people be worried that they were maybe marketed, brought out too fast, or is is this safe?
3: Yeah, no, people should not be concerned. They are very, very safe. In fact, what really sped up bringing these vaccines to market uh, had a lot to do with how focused everyone was invested on getting these to the market. The vaccines went through the usual early small phase one, then larger phase two, and then really large phase three clinical studies to make sure that they created a strong immune response, that they were safe, and that they prevented what they are aiming to prevent, which is COVID-19. Fortunately, because there was really no barrier in terms of people being willing to participate in the trials, willing to conduct the trials, and willing to invest, in the development of these vaccines, that really removed a lot of the roadblocks. And in parallel to these clinical studies, the companies like Pfizer and Moderna started manufacturing these vaccines even before the results of the clinical trials were known. And obviously that was a risk, but it was felt to be a very important risk to take given the state of the pandemic. I can remember back in the spring when
1: we were told uh, on the you know, news talkers at night, there's no way we'll have a vaccine in less than a year. There's no way, it's not possible. And now that we do, uh, it, it is quite a remarkable feat. How much will this impact our ability to get back to normal living? And when might that happen?
3: Well, there's no question the way forward is immunization. This is really the answer we've been looking for. Right now in the United States, just a little over 5% of the population have been diagnosed with COVID-19. And even though that's an underestimate for sure of the number of people who have had COVID-19, the vast majority of people in the United States are still quite vulnerable to infection. And uh, I'm somebody who rounds on our patients in in the hospital every day, And I don't want to see another patient struggling to breathe, struggling to live with COVID-19. The way forward is to make sure enough of us have immunity that we can stop this pandemic in its tracks. And that's where right now it's a race against the clock. We need to do the things that we know we can do to protect those around us from getting infected while manufacturers make new stocks of vaccine and some of the other types of vaccines that are on the clinical pipeline continue so that we might have even more choices and more quickly get people immunized.
1: You had mentioned uh, Pfizer and Moderna. I know Johnson and Johnson are very close to the marketplace, and their early trials indicated that, like the other two, they were in the 90 to 95 percent efficacy range, which in itself is astonishing. I mean, that is a high number for uh,
3: a vaccine effectiveness, isn't it? It's incredibly high, and I think the the great uh, Reason why these were so successful had a lot to do with the fact that people have been investing in research about viruses like coronaviruses for many, many years. And people knew that the little spiky bits on the outside of the coronavirus are really important for that virus ability to bind to our cells and cause infection. And so the genius move of these mRNA vaccines and other vaccines was to make sure that the recipients of the vaccines could develop a very strong, very targeted immune response against that little spiky bit on the outside of the virus that's crucial for it to stick to our cells and cause infection. We all thought, hoped that this might be 60, 70% effective at preventing infection. To see the kinds of data we're seeing, not just from one of these vaccines, but from multiple of these vaccines, suggests that we really did hit a home run. Do we
1: know how long immunity would be for the patient who takes the vaccine? Is this a one-year, 10-year lifetime? Do we even know yet?
3: it's a little early to know in fact the the longest anyone has been even naturally immune from infection is is at most about a year Uh, in the vaccine studies they date back now for about six or seven months and we are seeing evidence that several months after getting immunized people still have very high levels of effective antibodies in their bloodstream my hope is that this is the kind of immunization that we need to get once in a blue moon. The problem is we just don't know yet. And we also don't know if this virus is going to disappear from the human population after we get enough people immunized, or it's gonna continue to percolate and bubble and we'll have to periodically get another booster. And maybe that booster would be a nasal spray vaccine. I don't know, Um, but I think we're just gonna have to see how things fall out in the future with that. Well, I know
1: one thing. Uh, as soon as it becomes available to, to guys like me, I'm, I'm in line. I'm going to take it because I have far less fear of the vaccine than I do of COVID, which I have seen even take the lives of some of my dear friends. And it's just not a risk I want to take. Dr. Aronoff, as always, you bring so much light to the discussion. And we thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, I want to thank Dr. David Aronoff for joining us and bringing us some much-needed clarity. By the way, if you want to keep up with Dr. Aronoff, follow at D.M. Aronoff on Twitter.
0: Next, Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient Dan Gable on his new film. You're watching Huckabee.
1: Welcome back. Now, my next guest is a world Olympic champion and NCAA wrestling champion, University of Iowa's all-time winningest coach, and pretty significantly, a recent Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient, which is our highest civilian honor. It's a big deal for sure. Now he's adding a new line to his resume, actor in the new movie, the last champion. Would you please welcome Dan Gable. Dan, good to have you here. I want to talk about the movie in a minute, but first, I mean, you were just at the White House recently. The president bestowed upon you a significant honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Very few people receive that. Uh, It must've been a bit overwhelming, I would think, going in there and having the president of the United States place around your neck that Medal of Freedom. When it happened, it was really a big deal to me. But
4: they had me out there like two days ahead of time, had all my family, uh, 23 members, all my immediate family, and we had all these little places we went, and I don't remember one thing about that. (laughs) The reason why is because they loved it. Yeah. But, you know, if you win 181 matches and you only have one to go uh, in high school and college... Yeah. And if you don't stay focused... You lose. Yeah. And that's what happened to me. So you know what? I went out there for a reason, to get an honor. Yeah. And I wasn't about to remember a whole lot of things. I stayed focused. I stayed right in tune with everybody, and they still liked me being with them. But I really did I don't know what we did.
1: But you know what? Maybe they'll take pictures, and they'll show you We got got them. We got them. And I loved it. And it turned out really good. Okay, now, there's a story that the president— was saying to you, do you think you can take me? Did he really say that Uh, in wrestling? Did he? He did did say
4: that. First of all, he's a pretty big guy. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) And I was a 150 pound weight class, (laughs) but one of my training partners was a guy named Chris Taylor and he weighed 450 pounds. Whoa. Yeah, and he was a bronze medal in the Olympics two-time NCAA champion from Iowa State University. So I'm used to big guys. Because I'm about the only guy that could work out with him, that could actually go with him or actually handle him in Uh some situations. So I looked him over first, and he nowhere was close to 450. (laughs) So, you know, basically, and he doesn't have a lot of wrestling experience. He has a little bit. He has a lot of wrestling experience with the world. And the press. (laughs) Yeah. But when he looked at me and said that, I said, no. Chance, <laughs>
1: <laughs> And he, uh, he loved it. I mean, he was good with it. He was you good know, with it. it does, you, you're around him, and he loves people who come right back at him. Everybody thinks that that would mess him up, but it doesn't. He loves that. <laughs> no. And I'm sure he had a great time with you and obviously admires you greatly because that's a personal decision he makes. The Presidential Medal of Freedom, uh, regardless of who is president, is a choice the president makes himself and approves it and decides it. So I think it's very significant that, you know, he saw in you the life of not just a great wrestler, but a great coach. And most importantly, Dan, a great American. That's what he saw, a great American. Thank you, thank you. Now, you're adding something else to your resume. We mentioned it in the intro. You're now gonna be, you're you're an actor. You got this (laughs) brand new film called The Last Champion. We're gonna watch just a little clip of it, and it's about some of the things that happen in The Last Champion. Here it is. And then
5: he needs two more takeouts to tie up. Go, oh, double red, 11-10 now, 12-10 after 10 10 the escape. Brett, let me see your face, great. We got blood red. Waterloo. Oh, blood time. This is a momentum killer oh, right go, now for
0: Michael Miller.
5: you doing great,
6: all right? Breathe, breathe, Listen, let's go. All, right. All we need is one more. and we go into overtime? Hey, hey, okay? You broke him. You broke him, I do. Mean. Now it's about this. What's this? What is this? Plur. All right, that's it, thanks. All right, let's go finish. Finish strong, come on, let's go. Finish strong.
1: And The Last Champion is available to stream now. People can watch it. We'll be telling folks about that in just a moment. But uh, this is a movie about a wrestler who makes a very bad decision, has to leave his hometown. He uh, basically ruins his life and is just a scandalous person. And he later comes back and he kind of gets redeemed. So it's a great sports movie, it's a movie of redemption. Obviously you were attracted to be part of this, why?
4: They just wanted to make sure that the wrestling was good. Yeah. You know, you don't want to have a good movie and then you have a sport that, you know, you, like if it's not a good part of what you believe in. So they brought me in to look it over a little bit, and I approved of it because those actors worked at that sport so hard that they even impressed me.
1: <laughs> and and you know, and that was so you uh, tell the president he couldn't take you, but you tell these actors that they might could. Is that what I'm hearing from you, Dan? Uh they me? <laughs> I mean, that was good, but yeah, we'll okay. leave it at that. All we'll right. leave it at that. But,
4: <laughs> but sometimes you see in wrestling movies holds and situations that yeah. just kind of look like that's not real. You know, that's not real. Because this is real wrestling. This is Olympic-style wrestling, uh, uh, college or high school st- style of wrestling. So, you know, it's, uh,
1: it's kind of like Rudy or the Hoosiers, yep. but the sport is wrestling. I hope people will see this film. It's called The Last Champion. As I said, it is available to stream right now through Apple TV, Google Play, and Amazon. If you'd like more information about The Last Champion, visit thelastchampion.com. And for his coaching videos, autographed books, and a whole lot more, visit this great American, dangable.com. We're going to be right back after this short break, so don't go away. It's been said before, but 2020 has been a whirlwind. Viruses, hurricanes, fires, loss, so many other heartbreaking situations all over the world. And even though the season of giving is technically over, that doesn't mean that we can't continue to give. Right now, you can make the end of this year a positive note for someone in need. Samaritan's Purse is already in action, helping the hurting. I hope you'll consider taking a moment to call or visit samaritanspurse.org and contribute to their efforts, making hope and joy the bookend of this tumultuous year, all in the name of Jesus. Well, earlier this year, we lost a great American, I lost a great personal friend, when COVID-19 took the life of businessman, political commentator, and presidential candidate Herman Cain. One of his last projects was a documentary on his amazing and his inspiring life, here to talk about it are Herman Kane's daughter, Dr. Melanie Kane Gallo, and the filmmaker of From Poor to CEO, the incredible journey of Herman Kane, Barry Tolley. Good to have you both here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
5: you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you.
1: Melanie, I'm gonna begin with you. And I just wanna tell you, I love your dad. Oh, I love thank that you. man. Thank what you a so much. great human being. He was so much fun to be around. He was. He
7: was and he was always like that.
1: Was he, <laughs> he was always fun. telling stories when you were growing up?
7: Yes, sometimes more than we asked.
1: <laughs> but he was Boy, that's an honest daughter if I've ever heard one. What is is there one thing that your dad just said over and over and over that sticks deep inside of you as one of those great character lessons?
7: Um, he always just told us not to ever give up. If something would come up that we, you know, thought we couldn't figure out or get past, well, what are you going to do to solve it? What's going to be your solution? Come up with a plan. Come up with a solution. So I think that's the thing that, you know, in terms of work and those types of things. Obviously, relying on prayer and God.
1: He was a spiritual man. He was very spiritual. What I loved about him, he loved the Lord. This is a guy that wasn't just... A, ch- a Sunday church Christian. No, no. He-, he was every day. Yes. Every day. Yes. Barry, what what drew you to Herman Cain's wonderful? And it is a wonderful story. Yeah.
5: Well, the man himself. Uh, once I finally got to meet him and just experience, like you said, his charisma, oh. the way he loved everybody, and the way he was just so magnetic. And he was like gravity. You know, he was one of those people. So. I knew about his story. I knew about his accomplishments, or some of them. Yeah. And I had the same, you know, preconceived notions that I thought. I knew the man, you know, his politics, like you said, his business success. And then when I met him, he was just so charismatic. And I was just so blown away by his love for everybody that he came in contact with. Like you said, he just (laughs) was on all the time. And it was uh, just a love for human beings and people. And it didn't matter where you came from. Everybody.
1: You know, I want to show a little clip because I love this piece, and it's part of the film from the documentary. This is from the film on Herman Cain's life.
2: He had this Southern drawl. Herman Cain, you can be anything you want to be. You just might have to work a little harder and you might have to work a little longer. He was right. Mr. Johnson's words echoed in my brain forever. Whenever I was in a situation that seemed to have gotten tough, I I heard those words you might have to work a little harder and you might have to work a little longer. So I worked a little harder and I worked a little longer in every job I ever had because of Mr. Johnson's inspiration. I love that. You may have
1: to work a little harder, you may have to work a little longer. Right. And your dad did both of those things because he had to. He grew up a black man from a family out of sheer poverty, right? And a lot of people would have pushed him down and said, "You can't be beyond where you are." But he proved them wrong.
7: That's right. That's right. He didn't. He didn't believe that and can't. <laughs>
1: what were his parents that. like? What What did they do to give him that kind of courage and that sense of, "Go get it"?
7: They practiced what they preached. I mean, mm. he wasn't the first one to, in his family, to. Um, have that type of drive and determination. He saw his parents and my my grandfather. He was the same way. You know, if you you run into an obstacle, figure out a way to get past it. Figure out a solution. Find your way to whatever it is that you're trying to reach. And so he was basically doing what he saw.
1: Barry, I want you to just tell me, when people watch the documentary Mm -hmm. on Herman Cain, what is it you hope they take away personally from it?
5: how special he was and how much he truly did love everybody, that they have preconceived notions. They think they know him, you know, it's yeah. like I kind of thought I knew him. But you don't until there's so many layers. There's just so many layers, and he's so special. So I'd want him to see that he was a great human being that loved everybody, truly loved everybody. He had his views, of course he did, but he had those for a reason, and he didn't hold anything against anybody else for having other views. And I want them to go into it and see... Again, he has this work ethic, an incredible family, and he didn't—he never asked for anything. He only worked for it and, and went and uh, accomplished so many things through his work ethic.
1: Well, I just want to say again, I loved your dad. Thank you. Thank you so much. A great, great man, and this world is better because Herman Cain walked on this planet and spread his love and his joy, and he did that. both. He did both.
7: Thank you.
1: I want to thank you both for being here. Thank you. I want to thank you for making this wonderful film. And I want Keith to tell all of our viewers where they can see it, because I know you're going to want to. Well, from
0: poor to CEO, The Incredible Journey of Herman Kane is available for download and on DVD. For more information, go to HermanCainMovie.com. Hey, Huckabee fans shows lined up for you after the new year join us in nashville for a huckabee taping studio audience tickets are free at huckabee.tv next week welcome in the new year with house minority leader kevin mccarthy comedian william lee martin and country singer ryan
1: Yes, it is a wonderful world indeed. And Dan Meyer, speaking of wonderful world, is a wonderful 40-time world record holder. He's performed in 50 countries and has been on the finals of America's Got Talent. His Ted Talk, Cutting Through Fear, has been translated into over 75 languages. Would you please welcome the president of the Sword Swallowers Association International, a man who truly lives on the cutting edge Dan Meyer. Welcome in, please. Thank you. Good to see you. I'll give you the bump, man. We're in COVID. We've got to be careful. careful. We've got to set the right example for everybody. Right. All right. I'm, I'm just mystified
8: by when you woke up and said, I think I'll eat a sword for breakfast. You know, that is the most common question that everybody asks. Yeah. I did not grow up a daredevil. The first 20 years of my life, I I grew up in a small town in Indiana. I was Uh a scared, shy, skinny, wimpy kid. Suffered from low self-esteem, inferiority complex, and uh, fear of failure and rejection. Something we didn't even know you could sign up for back then. Something called social anxiety disorder. What that means is if I stood in front of my class, my heart was racing, my knees were shaking, my hands were shaking worse than they're shaking right now. And when I opened my mouth to speak, nothing would come out. I would stutter and stumble. Bullies would tease me and beat me up. They used to laugh and call me names. Never let me play in any of their reindeer, <laughs> reindeer games.
1: games. I knew you were going there. <laughs> so, I mean, the kid that was so shy is now eating swords yep. for a living yep. and giving TED Talks all over the world yep. and appearing all over places like the Huckabee Show. Were yeah. you ever nervous and thinking, I'm going to make a mistake?
8: I, I, I am sometimes. Not so much the swords, but that the message gets out. When I was 20 years old, I was a a Lutheran missionary in India. God did a a number Mm. on my life. And I went to India as a missionary. And while I was there, my mentor, Greg Ormson, said, do you have thrones, Daniel? I said, Thromes? What are thrones? Yeah. He said, they're major life goals, like a bucket list. If you could go anywhere you want to go, do anything you want to do, be anyone you want to be, where would you go? What would you do? Who would you be? And I said, oh, man, I can't do that. I'm too scared. I've got too many fears. That night, I came down with 105 degree malaria fever. It was a week before my 21st birthday. For five days, I was in and out of consciousness on my deathbed, fighting for my life. And all I could think about was thromes, what I wanted to do with my life. The night before my 21st birthday, I prayed a little prayer and I said, God, if you let me live until my 21st birthday, I will not let fear rule my life any longer. I want to take on risks and challenge. I want to find my purpose and calling. I want to know my life has meaning. I want to do something remarkable with my life and somehow change the world. And I won't tell if I survived that night or not, but... Obviously you did. But, so you end up
1: now swallowing swords. I want to see you okay, do we'll see what it. you do. Okay. Let's, let's get to this because I'm, right. I'm fascinated by it. So
8: I'm in a little 19, frightened by it, 1997, I heard there were less than a dozen sword swallers left in the entire world that had started in that place where I was a missionary in India, where i had witnessed it as a 20-year-old kid. Yeah. Practice 10 to 12 times a day, every day for four years, about 14,000 unsuccessful attempts. Unsuccessful? Before I got the first sword down. Now, whoa, 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 An unsuccessful sword swallowing, that sounds like, I mean, there's some blood coming out at that point. A lot of gagging for four years. Yeah. And uh, finally, you get past the, mu- you have to learn how to nudge the hardest side, go past, the, through between the liver and kidneys. Are you kidding me? Between the lungs, all the way down to the bottom of the stomach. So, I can't wait to see you. I'm this. going to show you the first one. Now, a lot of people aren't sure if sword swelling is real. How many of you think sword swelling is fake, a gimmick, a trick? Quite a few of you, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what, what I've got Let is- Let them do it. Let's that's right. It. Yeah. What I've got here is a small sword from India. It's called an Uday sword. Oh
1: my soul. Ah, that thing's got to be down there somewhere. Ah, Yeah, ah. yes, Yep. Yeah.
8: oops. <laughs> Ah, uh, you mess with us. Okay. But How I had to done? show you that one. This is the other one that everybody expects is the oh. the, the telescopic sword, yeah. right? People always say, why do you show... I can show the-? one of those. Yeah, yeah, sure. People say, why do you show the fake swords first? Because okay. if I didn't show you the fake swords now, you wouldn't believe the real swords later, right? Oh. Okay, so you're, oh, you're going to bring a real one out here. Now. So take a look at that. Okay. Make sure it's real. The real sword is... Doesn't Don't collapse. Don't put your fingers all over the blade. <laughs> Sorry about that. Now, if anything goes wrong, the police will know who to come get. We'll get some disinfectant on that here. I've got some like, in my pocket, actually. Does it look like a real sword, though, It does look like, yeah. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna impale my body with this sword all the way down to about here. Show of hands, how many of you believe that's a real orange? <laughs> I, can, I can smell it. I'm telling you it's a real orange. <laughs> Really so what is. I'm going to do with this sword is I'm going to plunge it down into my body here. Okay. I need your undivided attention as I swallow this sword. If you see anything come pull out of my, flying out of my throat when I pull it out, it could be my uvula, that little flap in the back of the throat. If it comes flying out, pick it up, bring it up here, and I'll autograph it for you later after the show, okay? <laughs> here we go. Lubricate the blade. It's like orange juice.
1: Ah, ah, oh, whoa, ah,
8: whoa. Let's hear it for Dan, Dan Meyer. Thank you. Show of hands, how many of you believe this is a real sword? I do, I saw it. How many of you think it's fake, a gimmick, trick? All right. If this were a real sword, it would have real impact, right?
1: Wow. Real, right? Yeah, that's real.
8: How about if we do something... You didn't even... But if you'd have hit my foot, I'm I telling know. you now. Then <laughs> I would have been in trouble. <laughs> oh, boy. How about if we swallow something that cannot fold up in the handle? You're kidding me. You no. Know, no way. Common garden variety, hedge clippers, right? Oh. So what I'm going to do is plunge this into my throat here. Don't try this at home with your dad's... Don't doors. worry about that, uh, Dan. I think we're pretty well... Sure, we're never going to do that. Mmm. Mm. Tastes like hemlock. <laughs> Ah. Yikes! Thank you. Now, Governor Huckabee, yes. I have—I got something very special for tonight. Have not tried this before, not swallowed it. Sword swelling is extremely dangerous. Do not try this at home. This is not Keith, a drill. Keith, did you hear that?
1: Do not try this yeah. at home. No chance. Okay, this, right. this is
8: not a drill. Safe I repeat, this is not. A oh. Drill. <laughs> oh, no, that's a saw. That's a saw, a 28-inch saw. And I saw it. You saw it? Yeah. Okay. So you you can say you saw it right here on The Huckabee Show. Yes. I'm going to try this for the first time ever. Here we go. I'm not sure you should do that. That does not look safe. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> no, I Here we go. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, oh. Oh, look, I'm about a quart low. Uh, Yeah, I would say that's probably right. (laughs) But we're going to not swallow hedge clippers or saw. We're going to do a little sword swallowing, and I'm going to need your help. What the governor and I are going to attempt to do right now is three times more dangerous than a regular sword swallowing. Three times more dangerous. What I've got here somewhere is a 24-inch long sword. What we're going to do here is three times more dangerous than regular sword swallowing. Danger number one... First of all, 29 people have died doing this. Um, I've almost died four times. Let's hope it doesn't happen tonight. Let's hope, yeah. Okay. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna drop this sword into my body, no hands, like this, okay? That's danger number one. When it gets into my stomach, I'm going to attempt to double my body directly in half and bow at the waist, like this. Hopefully without impaling any internal organs. Okay. And Hopefully. now, if, if you guys want photographic proof, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bow this way, all the way over here. I'm going to come around one time and one time only, so you can see all the way down the blade, all the way down to the pit of my stomach. Then, danger number three, I'm going to ask a total stranger to me to extract the blade from the pit of my stomach. Oh, That's don't, where no, you come no, 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 no. <laughs> you, you can, are you right handed or left handed? I'm ambidextrous. I'm inept with both hands. Oh, good. <laughs> So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna come around like this. Yes. I'll look at you, I'll give you kind of a, a, a wink or a nod or something, and, and you grab it and pull it out very quickly. Do not wait too long. If you wait too long, my stomach can retch. It can puncture against the bottom of the blade. Puncture my stomach, so. I, this can't be real. Yeah. Seriously. So pull it out very quickly, okay? But not too fast or it'll slice the sides of my throat. How fast is too fast? Well, just kind of a medium speed, okay? These okay. are new jeans. I don't want to have to go get a <laughs> new oh, jeans. Okay, so... I'm worried over.
1: about my pants, too, for a whole different right. reason. You got this? You think
7: you're good?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm extra glad those are brown pants. You said it to me. Here we go.
8: Ladies and gentlemen, this is three times more dangerous than regular sword swelling. Three times more dangerous. Is three times more dangerous than <laughs> regular thought sawing? This is your mission. Here you go.
1: Is that something? It looks like there's a human organ on there. That that was dinner. That That scared scared the daylights out of me. (laughs) Folks, you can see Dan Meyer's TED Talk, Cutting Through Fear, at CuttingEdgeEntertainment.com. You'll also find videos, booking info, and a whole lot more, plus all his social media links while you are there. One big hand for Dan Meyer, please.
0: Music from Craig. The Music City Connection is next. Don't go away. 2020 has been a tough year filled with mountains, valleys, and challenges. It's been our communities of loved ones that have helped us to get through it together. So to sing into 2021, here is Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Please sing along with us.